Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz for NFL Week 13. Just me and Kale this week, guys. It is I, Jackson Roberts. It is he, Kale Clinton. It is not Nolan Hughes this week. Uh, a lot going on in the bowling world, as you can imagine. But we're coming in hot. We've had some uh, rambunctious pre-show discussions. Uh, I've come up with a Frankenstein idea to completely solve two NFL franchises. And we're going to get into all of it. But, uh, Kale, I mean, first of all, eventful NFL Sunday seemed like maybe less of an interest factor in more of the games, but some high interest factor in a couple of the games at the end of the night, which I believe you were heavily tuned into. Yeah, this is what happens when uh, when you've got a bipocalypse set up the way the NFL sort of did this week, where you get a couple, a couple interesting games, a couple interesting matchups, but prime time is is where the meal real meat lies like the thursday night game uh on paper was good at least uh i i think the late slate uh the late slate i can't speak right now jeez uh the late slate counts as like a technical prime time especially when it's going up against rams browns and bucks uh panthers but those have been the most viewed games this year straight up yeah, and then uh and then man, last night we we it the last two games on this slate really saved an otherwise weird, bad, wet, rainy, kind of dreary Sunday of football. In some cases, weather interrupted five hour football games going on. Uh so, some say that Cardinals Steelers game is still going on. <laughs> but the Steelers still celebrating their one touchdown with four minutes left. Deontay Johnson just still dancing in the end zone as his team still trails by two scores to a team that was in the top three of the draft. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of games with poor offense, to say the very least. Uh, I, I would like to congratulate our team on being the poorest of all from an offensive standpoint yesterday. Really understood the assignment. The Chargers were like, we are not going to score a touchdown. And the Patriots are like, we are not going to score a point. And we will get ourselves in that quarterback discussion. So fair play. Uh, but that's all we have to say about that game, I think. Uh, Eagles, Niners, that's that's the bread and butter here. I mean, that's the game of the day. I believe, Kale, that the 49ers, yes, the best team in the NFL right now. The Philadelphia Eagles, yes, still very much in the conversation for an NFC championship game. But I want to break it down from each team's perspective because – like, first of all, what is your confidence level in the Niners winning the NFC right now? Because I, I've i always been there like they are the best at their peak. And there have been four teams that we've mostly talked about throughout the year as contenders. Really, the two of them, the two that were in the title game last year, I think have risen above the rest for the most part. And it was always a thing like, why are they favored by two and a half points in this game? Why are the 49ers supposed to win in Philadelphia, which is maybe the most hostile environment we've got going right now? because they're that much more talented. And you just saw, and there were some great breakdowns done of this today as well. Dan Orlovsky, I think, did a really good job on a couple occasions showing just how linebackers are out of sync. The 49ers are game-planning matchups to where they can get, you know, the third and fourth corners for the Eagles just isolated in a hellscape. Uh, and they really picked them apart. So, first of all, 
confidence level in the 49ers after yesterday winning the NFC? Very high. Uh, extremely high. I just wonder how – we're not going to do the schedule game for like the fifth week in a row. Uh, when it gets down to this time of the year, we love just rattling off that schedule. But, you know, real only tough game left is the Ravens. Maybe Seahawks will give them a contest next week. But uh, not a ton to worry about at the moment. Uh, and they just look like the best team in football. Uh, deepest offense, a the versatility that this offense has to – drop the best running back in the league who's also a top like 10 to 15 receiving threat period uh a wide receiver who's fast enough to tear it up in the slot and still not only take jet sweeps but in some cases he's taken legitimate just handoffs on outside zone runs and dominated a tight end who's legitimately one of the better blockers in the league and also uh, a great pass catcher when he needs to be a true wide receiver one uh and brandon Ayuk, who's <laughs> arguably like brandon Ayuk is so good and he's arguably the most limited person on this 49ers in this 49ers skill position group because he's not two players in one like debo's the wide back Christian McCaffrey is like the true dual threat running back. George Kittle's pretty much a tackle. Like, it's crazy that that Ayuk is the fourth in this, and he's like, and it's just because he's a really good receiver who can win outside and do admittedly a ton at the receiver position, but just not as much as any of these other guys can. Yeah, uh, like we need the guy who can lead the NFL in yards per catch. He'll be like our fourth best player on offense. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. if you count left tackle, it's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and to anyone who anyone who's doing Brock Purdy MVP stuff, I get it. I don't want to indulge in it, but I get it. Uh, pretty he much. Has, I mean, you have to say before we like go on to like all the ways in which he's limited. He has still surpassed every expectation you could possibly have for a guy that was the last pick in last year's draft. No, you're straight up, like, if you're not at least considering it, like, you're just going off priors at this point, uh, or, or just prior convictions, and you're not willing to look at new information. He leads the league in DYAR. He leads the league in DVOA. Uh, he leads the league in EPA, CPOE, composite. He leads the league in adjusted EPA. Uh, he leads the league in regular EPA too. He leads the league in success rate. Like, what way do you want to cut it? Like, he's playing like the best quarterback in the league right now. And if this is an award for best quarterback on best team, he's probably getting it. But that being said, uh, man, there's like it's Lamar Dak to me, and it should really probably just go to a non-quarterback this year because no one's yeah. played. That great to try and do it, not to lead us directly into our to show note four. We still we're going to talk about forty five. It fits. Come on, it fits here. This is the whole conversation right now. The good news is I have the banner right here. So before we move on to the Eagles, we can just straight up talk MVP. We're just trying to riff, but we can still talk Phil. 
I'm I'm very tired. But let's talk MVP because I've already I'm, talked MVP. You could talk MVP. How about that? Yeah, well, I don't I, I'm like you in a sense that I don't want to talk MVP if it's gonna be a, a Brock Purdy fest. Uh but I'm very here for like a let's have a discussion about the potential for a non-QB winning MVP because I don't even necessarily think this is the year, but it's the closest we've seen in a long time because never have we had like a, you know, for me, it's always been a quarterback, like elevating his team to be the best team or at least one of the best teams. There was a stat they had on ESPN today that a quarterback, the last quarterback to win an MVP who didn't win the division was Peyton Manning back in 2008. So it's been like a really long run of extremely successful QBs who have also had the stats to measure up. And right now the QB who has the stats to measure up is Purdy. And if you watch a 49ers game, you're like, you know, this guy's good. He's better than we expected, but also like, look at the job he's doing. He's got, he's got the best circumstances anybody's had around him. And then there's other guys who are putting up, you know, numbers, but not necessarily MVP type numbers. I think two is the one where I'm like, Tua could have had 50 touchdowns this year if Mike McDaniel wanted him to get there. But there have been some weird turnovers in recent games. They have been running the ball into the end zone a lot. They have been running up the score with, you know, two fourth quarter Devon HN touchdowns yesterday. His numbers, you know, although the efficiency metrics are still very good, do not look like, you know, a typical quarterback MVP season, which is weird to say considering, you know, how prolific their offense has been. And then you have your Lamars and your Dax who have been, you know, stalwarts on the best teams in the league. Don't necessarily have you know, the TD to INT ratios or the raw yardage stats, uh, you know, mock up an MVP type season like you would have seen from Brady or Breeze in the past or Rock. Well, it's a different, it's a different league right now. Like it is the, the offenses are hyper efficient, but just league wide, this is a defensive error right now. I think that depresses a lot of quarterback MVP conversations when you compare them to especially those heydays of just incredible offensive play. Not quite the explosion we saw like five, six years ago, but still then it was like, it was still incredible how many offensive numbers are. Like I was thinking about, remember that season like Garrett Blunt had like 18 rushing touchdowns? No one's coming even close to that. Like it's, we're not, we're just not getting the numbers. We're just not, we're just not getting raw numbers like we have in recent years. Yeah. And I, to some degree, I think that can be ex- explained not just by like advances in defense, but also like teams are possessing the ball longer. I feel like that. I don't know if there's like specific numbers to back that up, but I think if you watch an Eagles game a lot of the time, like these are eight, nine minute scoring drives. Like teams are really valuing tiring out the defense, running down the clock. Uh, and yeah, like the the passing game, they've tried. It. It's not like they've tried to make rules to like curb passing, as you know, back in the two thousands, it was the opposite. They were trying to make rules to encourage more passing yards, and we saw an explosion as a result. It's not like they're like curbing that back now. It's more so just like continued evolution and how the game changes over. I don't know. <laughs> evolution is basically the word I'm going for here because it's not. You know, it's it's. It's it's really just in the past couple of years, like we're not seeing the the fifty five fifty five hundred yards we thought we might see from a quarterback passing. But but I digress because my point is essentially, if there were a year in the past twenty years for a non QB to win MVP, it would be the year that Tyreek Hill goes for two thousand yards. 
prior to maybe the past few weeks, it would be the year that A.J. Brown runs four routes and gets to 2,000 yards. Uh, and then, obviously, you see what Christian McCaffrey and even C.D. Lamb have been doing lately. So I'm not here to, like, stump for any of those guys to win MVP, but, like, how close are we to that being a discussion? It's got to be one. I, I It's kind of criminal that it's not. Uh, McCaffrey's actually not having as good of a – I thought he was closer to, uh, I thought he was closer to a thousand, a thousand, uh, than he not is. Not of receiving yards for him this year. No, not as many. Well, when you got four guys in that offense, it's tough yeah. to get a full share. He was, he straight up had a hundred and forty-two targets the year he won a thousand, a thousand, uh, for the first time at least. Uh, no, he's only done it once. Never mind. Uh, but. I, I McCaffrey's just so unique to me that he's got to be one of them. Tyreek, if he hits 2,000, that's just a history thing. Uh, but I then wonder about if you like do like do the games conversations come in for a for a non QB MVP? Uh, like I th- 17 games yeah. versus 16. No, like. Dak leads the league in touch in passing touchdowns right now at 26, I think. Uh, but there's discussion. Like you brought up uh, the point about uh, non-division winners having an MVP, and unless it's a guy with a name recognition like Payne Manning, it's not really happening. Maybe mm-hmm. the name, like the team pedigree of the Cowboys, might help them out a little bit. But in that same vein, Cowboys haven't uh, been able to beat the Niners. They haven't been able to beat the Eagles. How, you know, devil's advocate here, how valuable is a quarterback if they can't beat the two best teams in their conference? If the offense is looking so good, why doesn't it look good? And they get punched in the mouth by San Francisco's defense. Or Lamar's got a a lesser case for that. Uh, But with Lamar, it's more like, the raw numbers don't necessarily bear out an MVP. You just have to watch the Ravens play and be like, if they didn't have this guy, they just wouldn't have a good offense. He's the glue of absolutely everything together. Yeah, that's the thing, is that it's like you could also bring up his defensive numbers and talk about that, or or like the team's defensive numbers and say he's getting helped a little bit there. Uh, It's just a weird – it's such a weird year. Like – I don't know. Mahomes and Jordan Love having the exact same amount of touchdown passes is a lot to take in. Uh, and Lamar's got like 18 total touchdowns, but you look at – you watch his games and there's there's no one else playing like Lamar Jackson right now. And Dak Prescott's playing out of his mind, but then I just think like he's kind of beating up on bad defenses. Seattle was, Seattle was supposed to be the test case of – We've seen Dallas against the cream of the crop. We've seen Dallas against the dregs of the league. Let's find a guy in the middle. And it looks really good. It looks really close. And Dak kind of balled out, but he's still not really. Oh, my God. (laughs) I got I pulled up Dak's pro football reference page. They have his MVP. On the oh yeah page, you bet they do. That's crazy. I was like, "What Trubisky's is this?" He's got a playoff David? MVP. I don't. Do they have his? I would think so. They Seems do. Like it's a thing. They do. 
You bet. Who's who's paying Pro Football Reference to track that? Uh, maybe the who end was and MVP. <laughs> who was last year? Like for the play? Well, it's like a game by game. Thing. Oh no, they'll no they'll click. Uh, you click it and you get it. No, they give it out. <laughs> There's only three of. Oh, it just links to the MVP page. That's bullshit. Nonsense. We gotta we gotta not talk about this because it's more awards. Wait, do they have it? I'll go out and win one, then we'll talk about it. You van for me and I will find this. I'll go out and win one because I will be playing quarterback for the Jets this week. Uh after Zach Wilson repeatedly refuses Robert Sala's uh pled Robert Sala and Aaron Rodgers uh begging him to come back and play quarterback. He will refuse uh and I will step in and be worse than Tim Boyle and therefore win an MVP. Because they people didn't think it was possible to be worse than Tim Boyle. But I'll step in and show them how it's done. You'll do your damnedest. Uh dude, it's it for it's this is it for you, Zach. This is this is all you've got left. Why are you getting choosy now? I know that like Rossini's extended report was that it's because of injuries and he's not sure if he wants to play to kind of like keep things going forward. Uh, Zach, this is it for you, bud. This <laughs> there is the no time. worse. There is no worse, uh, like situation for you to go to right now. You are. This is the bottom of the bottom. Like the XFL is looking at you funny right now. Spring leagues are looking at you tough. But we'll see. We'll see if he plays, man. I, it won't make a lick of difference. But no. But it is funny that like. You know, Rogers' injury was supposed to be the last time. And before that, last year when he came back and started in like weeks 13 and 14 after he got benched, that was supposed to be the last time. Before that, it was the beginning of last year was them finding out what they had and they were going to bench him and never go back to him again. So maybe Zach Wilson will continue to get starts into the late 2020s, even though teams will never be planning for him to actually be their starter, which is a a case I'm here for. Uh, But while we're – while we're on the subject, Caleb, do you want to do our uh, our thought experiment for the episode? Uh, a little a little change of pace, if you will. Yes, this is the we used to do more bits. We used to do we used to really be a, a podcast, uh, but <laughs> this like we used to do more bits like this, and I'm really excited to do this one. This is uh, this is the Frankenstein football team uh, because it's not it's not Frankenstein. It's actually Frankenstein's monster. So this is Frankenstein's football team. Correct. Of us putting together. How do you want to do this? Do you want to just keep it offense and defense and pick one of the coaches, or do you want to pick one offense, one defense, and a third coaching staff? No. What I want to do is two teams, both Who's under 500. Both I know. Teams have to be under 500. Yeah. And you take the best aspect. I'll, I'll show you how I'm going to do it, Kel. <laughs> walk walk I, me through. Show me the way. There is there is no like set criteria other than that. I think that if you combine the Chargers and Jets into one franchise, that might be the only thing that can save us from both franchises. Because look at all the parallels running between them right now. The Chargers and Jets play in a stadium with another team, arguably are the less popular team in their own stadium. Definitely the case for the Chargers. Jets, probably more Giants fans in the area, but at least there's a good fan base supporting them. But regardless, not like primary tenants of their own place. Head coaches, both very much on the outs right now. Pariahs, as if you will. 
Robert Sala cannot get a quarterback to start a game for him. He's taken shots at Brees Hall for trying to hit home runs when the only realistic way they're ever going to score points is Brees Hall hitting home runs because they can't block for a five-yard run. Uh, and just generally horrific vibes around the in- entire operation, I would say. Uh, the Diana Rossini stuff today has been the just scathing responses from Jets fan base. Meanwhile, Brandon Staley's been... He's been getting scathing responses for weeks now. We had an entire head scratcher about Brandon Staley where he just basically said, uh, I'm calling the defense and you can never ask me about that again because I'm a, the best defensive coach that's ever lived. So these are these are two parallel situations. But then you look at one team has a quarterback. One team has a defense. Between Garrett Wilson and Keenan Allen, you have two wide receiver ones. So if you just take the best parts of those and then – just throw the rest in a blender. Like, let's say they have to meet in the middle somewhere. You know, we evict the Chargers from SoFi. We evict the Jets from MetLife. We move them to Des Moines. And they can just, you know, live <laughs> we a happy put them in the field of dreams. Yeah. They can play in corn. Play at the corn. Uh, Justin Herbert's quarterback. You have the Jets defense. You have Keenan Allen, Brees Hall, uh, Garrett Wilson, whoever else you want on that offense, and you have an awesome defense, and everyone lives happily ever after. That's my Chargers Jets hybrid, the the Chargers, if you will. Don't call them that. Uh, I will. I I think I found it. Uh, I was. Let me walk you. Let me walk you through where I've where I've been with this. Uh, I think I was on record at one point uh, in the offseason saying the Patriots would be a seven-win team if they played in any other division. Uh, Might have highballed it a bit, but uh, with injuries galore uh, on both sides of the ball and a revolving door at offensive line, no quarterback. uh, Is Is that good? That that combination of things. It's not good. It's not I mean, good. that's a problem for a football team. They might but, lose a little bit. But do we know? Like, do I get Ramondre and Pop Douglas in this? Like, you can have Ramondre, really, like, Pop Douglas. You can have Judon and Christian Gonzalez. This is a fantasy league. Don't, don't tell me that. <laughs> awesome. So I'm combining the Patriots with the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Just. Giving them the Patriots defense. Uh won't even use won't even use Joe. This is Max Redemption Tour. Just getting yeah. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Mondre, Joe Mixon, Pop Douglas, uh, Lyle Collins. Who else is on this insane like not insane offensive line, but good offensive line, better than New England's offensive line. Uh Orlando Brown, uh Lyle Collins. I don't think he's on this team anymore. Uh they called Lyle Collins. Uh, whatever. Big discovery oh. moment. Big. T- we're we're constantly learning new things on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the combined like effort of that defense. The what? Like how Iowa loves the Chargers. Sure. <laughs> 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 I didn't. <laughs> I couldn't vamp that. Uh, I don't know. There's there's other fun ones. I was really trying to find a way to make the Commanders work with New England. And then I realize you still don't really have a quarterback deal. Uh, but like or sorry, you still have you have like maybe a quarterback in Howell who's like serviceable and you have no offensive line. 
But if you like gave him like McLaurin, Kendrick Bourne, Pop, Ramondre, you're getting a little better. Uh, the combined efforts, if you take the best of that offensive line, maybe the maybe the weaknesses kind of just get dulled a bit. Uh, and then you just have a great Patriots defense with like, you know, a one or two additional boosts in defensive asset, like Jonathan Allen. Like Jonathan Allen and uh, and uh, Christian Barmore up the middle is kind of nuts. Uh, you've got some fun stuff in there. You get the Patriots I, secondary, and you also just get your hypothetical second team here. Like this isn't even your pick. This is like your hypothetical second pick. Well, can we touch on Sam Howell for a second? Because like you're okay. my pick six guy. Like, you you are on record as like you know your off season brain goes into like, how can I come up with content around pick sixes? Sam Howell's starting to pick six in three straight games. He's going to tie the record that Matt Schaub set back in 2013 next week. Shit. This is Jackson, astounding. you've, you've reinvigorated the off season project. <laughs> I'm going to have to do it. Uh, the, I, I really haven't like tracked this pick six stuff. It's well, how many of them have been bland? One or two? One. Oh, he's oh, going he's in three back straight to back games. Back yeah. yeah, three straight. Uh, I th- I thought he had just had like multiple from Bland already. Uh, he may have earlier in the season. No, no, they they play him later. They haven't That's played true. him twice. I don't think. Uh, but dude, sometimes you're just lucky. Like it, it really is such a luck based stat outside of Javon Holland and half of Deron Bland's. The early ones for Bland were like, oh, he just jumped an out route because he's got he's got six cents for like just an incredible nose for the ball. And he would just be an athlete and run. Uh and then he did that one where he like caught it falling, did a somersault, and then just kept running into it. Like, no, that's athletic. You gotta convert those. But a lot of times from a quarterback perspective, it just kind of comes down to bad luck. Uh I still think he's a guy. I still think he's a guy. I'm not saying he's the guy. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting. My the he's reason definitely I, enough of a guy to maybe take the 2024 Indianapolis Colts to the playoffs the way 2023 Gardner Minshew seemingly has at this stage of the season. Like, there's a lot of those guys floating around. Sam Howell is definitely at least that. Well, I maybe just wanted not a lot of those guys floating around. I just wanted to throw. I wanted the commanders because I wanted to throw the enemy in and throw Gerard Mayo and just kick Ron Rivera and Bill Belichick to the curb. Uh, just throw yeah, them all out and leave for the team. Uh, who's another? I, I want to do one more of these that you and I can combine. Uh, I'll let I'll let you pick the team and I'll find the match. And we match make for me. That's yeah, amazing. Uh, we already did the Chargers, which are probably the most fun one, but also like the most depressing that they're bad. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get really freaky on you. Arizona, uh, Kyler Murray still got potential. Trey McBride leading tight ends in receptions since like week six. Uh, not a ton of talent on defense, that's for darn sure. Uh, not exactly a very exciting running game either, but. I'm giving you I'm giving you Trey McBride, basically. I, I want you to find me a an exciting team to make Trey McBride a superstar. You're giving me Kyler. Like give yourself some credit. You're giving me Kyler and like one guy. Yeah. Uh, and they have good wide receiver twos. Just you know. 
they they tried to build an offense around New Hopkins, and now he's gone. And oh, bang! Here's a serviceable one. It, the, it's a lot of work to combine both of these teams, but throw Tampa Bay in the mix, boom. You've got your top two guys right there and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're 14th in defensive DVOA, all things considered. So just like off the bat, you're doing a little bit better. And then you start bringing in like, they're all linebacker. Like their whole team is linebackers in uh in Arizona. Uh it's kind of crazy because you're white, LJ Collier both on IR. If we're doing this in the fun way where we get all the injured players back, uh they're both big assets. Uh I like Dennis Gardak. Uh the barbarian, as some call him. Uh, Jalen Thompson and Buda Baker are both solid assets. Grant Williams has had flashes. Like you can combine this to a fine defense. You can combine this to like arguably a pretty competitive defense. And also, if you go to literally any other team, they're going to be able to figure out what to do with uh, Zayvon Collins uh, and like all the other linebackers. I guess they got rid of uh, a couple of. Them. I don't see him on depth chart right now, but I guess they got rid of a couple of those guys with. The last three drafts they had, where they would draft either edges or off-ball linebackers and make them tweeners, and just like never find a place. Or it was no, sorry, it was they would draft D tackles and off-ball linebackers and try to make them edges. Uh, it was Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, uh, just an exhausting job. Who's a guy who? Uh, uh, I I need this Cardinals draft because it's one of the what's the draft? no the guy who got drafted he made it he made a week in quotes or he made a year in quotes uh for his if I give you the name you'll be able to tell it to me he got picked right around a Patriots player which is why you might remember it uh it might have been Zayvon Collins if it was, I don't think I would know. Dude, save it. It's I'm gonna find it. It's it's the funniest. It was like I'm gonna get you. It was like I'm gonna get you a Super Bowl ring so big it looks like a dog. <laughs> okay. Sure. That uh, quote. That quote on uh, negative thirty decibels. Like in uh, Eastern Michigan, while he was talking, is gonna be. Uh, Probably my favorite part of the show, to be honest. This, oh, this is it. We're going to effing kill everyone. Full speed. We're going to kill everyone. We're going to get a Super Bowl ring so effing big on our finger that an effing show dog wouldn't be able to jump over it. <laughs> I knew it was something like about a dog, and I was very confused. Uh, yeah, that was that was one of the quotes of the year back when I used to do that. What I like most about this Cardinals-Bucks hybrid is I'm going to design the uniforms and I'm going to force them to keep both shades of red. And it's going to be the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. But No, no you can make that work. That's like a bloody sword. You can have, have a Cardinal holding it the way Eagles hold sabers on American flags. The Cardinal is going to ride on the shoulder of the Pirates in the logo. And that's going to be A+. There are parrots. What's 
What's the like very famous red parrot? Is it a macaw? That has, I believe you, that is you, correct, but you, I'm not a parrot expert. You can kind of give it that that like the cardinal flare, almost like the Elvis upward, like an upward spike version of the Elvis head for the Patriots, and like turn that into kind of like a macaw mohawk. You can take a graphic design class and cook, Jackson. I like it. it. So we we've got the Chargers, we've got the Pengals, and we've got the, the Buccaneers. <laughs> <laughs> the Cuckaneers episode title click. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even know how we get back to regular football after that. Um, but I think we we only briefly touched on uh, the Chiefs, maybe even for like we mentioned seconds. Jordan Love, like yeah, definitely mentioned Jordan Love, but that was a game that definitely mattered. Uh, and I, I think. For me, like, you know, rightfully so, a lot of the stories today are going to be Jordan Love oriented. He was awesome. But I think for me, this is the first time I've really taken a good hard look at the Kansas City Chiefs and said, I don't think this is the same team. I don't think they're going to find a switch to flip come playoff times because I knew they weren't the same team. Right. Like all the yeah. all the all the numbers say like this is maybe the eighth or ninth best offense in the league this year. Not the best. Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes, but he's got nothing to work with and all the drop problems. And why are they still having communication issues with the receivers in December? But this was the week it really hit home for me. It was like, they're going to go on the road in the postseason, literally for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' entire career. And they're going to do it with, you know, a pretty worn down Kelsey by that point. You know, it's a guy that's taken a lot of, a lot of mileage over, over the season and started the season injured. So already had to come and work back from that. And then they're going to do it with this, like, you know, R- Rice is good. I'll give him that. Like, I'm, I'm glad Rice, Rice is. Uh, he's the only one. He's it. MVS and Sky Moore are, you know, milk carton the entire season. And they continue to make boneheaded plays week in and week out. So I've fully come around to this is not – I'm not worried about the Chiefs if I'm, you know, aside from – the entire history of that franchise, but even so, like they are not the biggest threat in the AFC this postseason. They're definitely not, and I think they can still do something. Like this offense is still objectively good. Uh, like they're fourth in DVOA. Like they're still very good offensively. It's just they're not like Chiefs transcendent, which checks out. But it's so funny. The only there 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 have only been two. Bad Chiefs defense games. I, I've talked. A, I've talked this Chiefs defense up a lot. I've I've done a whole thing on them. It's it's their best defense in recent memory. They've completely revamped themselves. And on a night like tonight or last night, where the defense has its issues and doesn't really show up, this offense isn't enough to kind of hold it together. But I did just want to raise the point: is that this is the this was the worst outing of the season for the Chiefs defense, and it's the only really bad one by DVOA. Do you want to know what the other one was this season? I, positively. I, I, I want to guess almost. Or, or sorry, you <laughs> throw a guess out. <laughs> At least the quarterback who orchestrated it. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I don't think it was that first game against Jared Goff. It was not. I'm going to go with it was one of their losses. So I'm scrambling in my head to try and remember all the teams they lost to. 
uh, or was it like a? I mean, yeah. the Chargers played well against them. No. Oh no, it was it was Russell Wilson, wasn't it, Kale? Got half it right. It was Zach Wilson. Oh, <laughs> and the Jets put right. twenty up on the Chargers defense. Good game. <laughs> defense and barely lost by a field goal. <laughs> I think that's partly offense adjusted for one of the most abysmal groups in the league. And like, talk about, I mean, the peak of the Jets season as an offense was a game in which their offense literally fumbled it away on a drive where they had a chance. Like, just one of the worst fumbles you'll ever see. Uh, and other than that, it was their best offensive game of the season. So really, really speaks to what the Jets offense has been. Uh, How far we've fallen. It's it's so funny. The Jets are just... Jets are just right back at dead last in DVOA. They're just right back to the bottom. Like, they never left. Like, this whole offseason of Aaron Rodgers and all the the fun additions, like, it never changed. We're going to look the additions at, fun in hindsight? Any of them? Well, well Rodgers makes them fun. Like, Lazard was top uh, fifth in the league in receiving DVOA. Hackett's last year in the league. Or uh, last year in Green Bay, right before he went to Denver, which very overlooked part of this. Like Hackett's not doing awful, but he's not doing well. But like it's just crazy they brought him in there. Like that was a mistake of a, uh, an addition. Having Randall Cobb in this mix is just weird. Like he's, he's getting like three targets a game for a combined fifteen yards. Whatever he's doing, like it's not it's not meaningful. Uh, and yeah. now it's just you're wasting Garrett Wilson. Like Garrett, like we always, not we always. Uh, people bring up, oh, what could have happened if, if like Johnny Manziel went to a different team, or like, oh, like if Josh Rosen just got that one shot on like behind a good offensive line, like he could have been fine. <laughs> I do Josh. Rosen. You're the Rosen guy. <laughs> I'm I'm Rosen filled hard, but the like Garrett Wilson's gonna be that. Like Garrett Wilson's going to be the receiver version of just what's what's going to happen here. Also, Jackson, I I guessed a a Randall Cobb average game stat line off the top of my head. I wasn't far off from his season total. Like, I said he catches three passes for fifteen yards. Yeah, this year on the season he is three for twelve for twenty yards. In seven games. I was going to say 16 yards. That was like my guess. Uh, it's it's yucky. Yeah, I was going to say it's the it's the line from Step Brothers where, uh, you know, Rodgers came in and brought all these guys, Hackett, Lazard, Cobb. Even Boyle was a Rodgers addition. Uh, and as soon as Rodgers gets hurt, it's the fart in the interview. And all of a sudden, the tuxedos seem pretty fucked up. And that's yeah. that's what all these guys are. They're the tuxedos. Yeah. Great, Paul. What a what a good friend Aaron Rodgers is. Say what, you, say what you will about most other things about him, but he's a great friend. <laughs> he's getting you guys jobs. He he's looking out for your best interest in Zach Wilson. Like he's gonna hook you up when he needs to. He won't call his family for Christmas, but he'll hook up his boys. That's, that's a good guy. Uh, yeah, I mean. Where are we even going back to at this point? I forget, but it was it was Packers stuff, right? Yeah, well, this group just looks awesome. Like yeah. 
Jordan Love completely turned the corner. Uh, this this incredible young group has taken such a long time to kind of put it together, and it's for obvious reasons. It's because they're not just the youngest offense in the league, they're the youngest team in the league. They're pretty mistake-prone on both sides of the ball. They've been really trying to learn this thing out, and LaFleur doesn't exactly have like a very – easy offense and they've been very banged up at running back like Aaron Jones out AJ Dillon's five yards in a cloud of dust like he's not doing much there uh he's a model of consistency though I'll say that but Jordan Love just looks sharp man like he looks real good throwing the ball he looks pretty poised he can move around a little bit uh and just er like every week it's a new guy like Dontavian Wicks has really come on Jaden Reed has had like some impressive versatility in different games. He's like run out of the, he was run out of the backfield against the Chargers. He's been a deep threat some games. Uh, Malik Heath has stepped up. Tucker Craft like those were the ones where I was like, okay, now this is getting silly. <laughs> now that now now we're starting to like the the history repeats itself all over again. Where like maybe the Packers just get quarterbacks who can turn anyone into good pass-catching targets. Because Malik Heath and Tucker Craft, not names I don't – I don't even think I had heard those names until this week when I watched the game. But they looked good. And well, the quarterback is part of the reason they're looking good. It's it's just – it's two more rookies on the pile. It's a third-rounder and a UDFA. Like, they're just cranking out players. It's really impressive. Yeah. Uh, also, also, you want to know what's more impressive? So James Robinson had two touches in this game. That's impressive. That James Robinson. I didn't know he was still in the league. I'm pumped for him. I who is the other guy, the the running back who was literally on the Patriots practice squad two weeks ago and got a couple carries and like broke one deep into the secondary? Patrick That's Taylor. Impressive. Patrick Taylor, yeah. Yeah. Third I season UDFA. Love that. Uh yeah, two, two carries for 29 yards. He's a, just a casual 14 and a half yards per carry for a guy that was deemed not good enough to play for the 2023 Patriots. Uh, yeah, Romeo Dobbs looked really good last night. Watson is the one where, like, I'm, I'm concerned because he was rounding into late season Christian Watson form, and that touchdown catch, the one over the top of the defender, was sick, and now he might be out for a while. So that's upsetting and hopefully not the case. But – Either way, I think the Packers are making the playoffs. Like that's just the way the NFC has shaken out, and we'll get into full postseason pictures very soon here. But like we do the schedule game all the time, and now the Packers are so far on the right side of the schedule game that it's like laughable because no, I was games, yeah, there are five games left with the Giants, Bucks, Panthers, Vikings, and Bears. That is atrocious. They should win bare minimum four of those games and get to 10 and have like the five seed by the end of this all. If this goes the way Six seed. if this, if, cool. if they win out on this schedule, do you think LaFleur wins coach of the year? Because if they win out, they'll have put together an eight game win streak to close the season. Again, the very good there. I think if the Lions win the division, Campbell still gets it. I think if the Lions win 12 or more games, Campbell probably wins. If they win 13 games, he's definitely a lock. Uh, and I just think like that it's, it's, it's the franchise. It's like, I get the Packers, the youngest team, 
Packers were in the NFC Championship two years ago. The Lions won three games. So there's got to be some, like, long-term stuff in there. But I, you know, if the Lions fall apart, the narrative is there. And the whole Matt LaFleur hasn't lost in December thing. Don't ask Matt LaFleur what he's done in January. But in December, he's 16-0. So that in and of itself is impressive and deserves recognition. I don't think this is the year where he, like, you know, he's had two 13-win seasons. So is an 11-win season the year he wins Coach of the Year? Probably not for me, but you know, you know, off the table. That's not – I think that's, like, you're just playing – like, you're just playing a numbers game there. This is such a different circumstance. And I'm not I think it's not his most impressive coaching job. I just don't think it's going to win him Coach of the Year. But, but it's, it's still looks, his most impressive like, coaching job. The market's just so saturated at this point for Coach of the Year that I feel like – it's art like it's just gonna come down to the hot like the hottest hand, if you will. Uh and I think that's just gonna be I think that's just gonna be Green Bay. Like I can't really think of anyone else unless like they're really starting to give it a Sirianni toward the end, or like I don't know if Campbell like the lines have kind of lost that steam to me. Like they've lost a little momentum where I don't think it's like I know it just beat the Saints, but like I don't think they're they're the talk of the town the way everyone's kind of like kind of was at the beginning of the season. Kale, do you know when the last time the Detroit Lions won twelve games was? Before or after the moon landing? After the moon landing, but before we were born. It's nineteen ninety one. So I think if they get to twelve, he's winning Coach of the Year. All right, I don't. You're not wrong. I get it, but like. Uh, the Broncos game is going to be tough, and the Cowboys game is going to be tough. If they could pull out the Cowboys game, if they lock up coach of the year, I'm just, I like LaFleur as this big long shot candidate because I think it might be one of the harder jobs to get him to the five seed. And also, like, it's still within grasp if they string these together and the Lions drop two. Yeah. Now and it's they, a conversation. They take the division, it's a conversation, which is why I'm saying they got to get to 12. If the Lions okay. get to 12 and win the division, I think that that wraps it up for him. But if they blow the division, then I think LaFleur is on the table. I am of – like I I would give Shanahan coach of the year every year until the rest of the league catches up to him in the regular season at least. It's not a postseason award, just regular season. I think Shanahan's the best regular season coach right now. Uh, and then Mike McDaniel also didn't win one last year. Technically, the Dolphins only won nine games. If they get to, like, 13, he's still in it for me. But right now, it's, like, Campbell and then, like, your LaFleur angle has, like, brought me back in on the possibility that it could be him, but I'd still have him in, like, fourth and those other two guys I just mentioned, and then it's not really, like, a lot of other candidates for me. Oh, when I did the write-up, it was – I know you made fun of me for naming them all, but when I did the write-up, there were just so many people. Uh, like even in the odds that seemed feasible, the guys I ended up writing up were, uh, I'm sure was, Sirianni was in there. In addition, it to was Campbell, it was Campbell, D'Amico, Ryan's, Mike McDaniel, Sirianni, Kevin O'Connell. This was like when Josh Dobbs was real hot, yeah, in the streets. Uh, Sean Kyle, Payton just finished up a five game winning streak, he was looking good for a minute there. Kyle Shanahan was in there. I had McDaniel. Uh, I had. I even threw. Uh, I even threw Harbaugh in there. 
just to have and the three picks I ended up walking away with to kind of give like a favorite, a secondary, and a long shot were this was two weeks ago I did Campbell's the favorite, Sirianni as the uh, secondary, and then my long shot at when I wrote this, Jackson, LaFleur was plus 15,000. It's pretty good. Which wish I we two and five for a minute there. It was, it was that much of a long shot. It's a late burn, but eight straight in this league is like is pretty good, especially when two of those wins are against the Lions and the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, this was like the gauntlet portion of their schedule. And I think the fact that they came out of it two and oh, even though it was just a two game gauntlet and there was, you know, ample rest between Thanksgiving and that second game, still like opened a lot of eyes to how much better they are than we thought. When they lost that Minnesota game, Kale, the game Kirk Cousins got hurt, I was like, they might have just joined the tankathon. I thought they were fully in the discussion for one of the five or six worst teams in the league. And the way they've rebounded from that has been really, really impressive. So regardless of whether or not it's Matt LaFleur coach of the year, like really impressive turnaround that I think we're starting to give them proper credit for, but we'll only continue to have to because they're going to keep winning with the way the schedule breaks down. All right. Yeah, it's it's going to go great. I, I That wasn't like a sigh of like, oh, all right. It was more just – this is this AF this NFC picture is going to end up being pretty interesting down the stretch, just because I have I have no like I obviously know the four teams that are going to win in the round, like that are going to make mm-hmm. it to the divisional round outside of a pretty major upset. I just don't know who the four teams are going to be that'll face them. Yeah, That's the issue. I'm curious because I, I think with Seattle, it's schedule's too tough uh and i think we're putting the packers in so then it comes down to for me at least uh rams vikings for that last spot uh and the rams are at baltimore this week if they lose that game i still totally think there's a world where they can get in especially because their next three games are washington new orleans giants on the other hand uh if they win that game i'm like they're in uh so now we gotta look at the vikings uh, who really destroyed their credibility in my eyes when they failed to defeat the Justin Fields Bears. Uh, winnable games, but two of them are Detroit. So tougher schedule, Vegas, Cincinnati, Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit. Uh, I like the Rams, so I'll go Rams, Packers. Rams, Packers, and do you just have the Falcons running away with the South? That's limping, the one where I'm, away. <laughs> that's the one where I'm just penciling in an NFC South team and then picking whoever they play against to wax them in the first round. That's the that's Cowboys, the one where yeah. like I'm less invested. Uh, no, I'll, I get I'll you. Pick the Falcons, but any of them would basically serve the same function to me in a playoff game. <laughs> it's it's really funny. You can just pencil in in your bracket like four seed. Winner of NFC South, fifth seed, yeah. loser of NFC East, divisional mm-hmm. round, loser of NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only question is whether or not it's just they play the one seed or if one of these teams can actually like do something. So that's that's where it gets interesting is can the Packers, you know, they beat the Chiefs last night. So obviously there's a chance they could go. I mean, they just beat the Lions in Detroit, so they could go do that again. And they could absolutely, well, I don't think they're beating San Francisco. That's the only one. Got to so. go with a hot hand. You'd never know. 
Yeah, if, if Philly doesn't get the one seed, there, there's a world where I could see them giving Philly a good game, uh, but I don't think they're beating San Francisco. So just leave it at that. Uh, and let's turn to the much muddier, much uglier AFC playoff picture and uh, start to give some of our thoughts there, Kale. Yeah, I can I can I be vulnerable with you for a moment, Jackson? I I would like nothing more. Joe Flacco's back. Joe Flacco is kind of back. <laughs> it's it's gross, and I don't like talking about it. But Joe Flacco's kind of back, and he is easily the best quarterback that they have going for him right now. Uh, I it's it's crazy to me because this this was not the quarterback I saw play for the New York Jets, which probably explains itself. But uh, yeah, this Cleveland's making the playoffs. If this is how the defense or if this is how the offense is going to play, defense are they going to turn it back over to DTR? Is the question? No, no. Riding riding the Flackmeister. You gotta you gotta ride Cool Joe. I think you have to at this point. And I don't know. The Steelers are Steelers probably bottom out now that Trubisky or Trubisky's the starting quarterback and Pickett's out long term. I think it's a shame. I think we were really celebrating what this team might look like without Canada. And I think it actually puts Pittsburgh in a excuse me. It puts Pittsburgh in a sticky situation uh long term because now it's how do you evaluate Pickett? Are you going to dig yourself a hole for a year? Are you going to draft a coordinator for Pickett? Realize Pickett's not the guy and then try and just make it work with your new quarterback and whoever this coordinator is, or would you rather like blow it all up in the offseason, just cut bait with everyone? Uh, it's a, like the injury to Pickett, especially if he's out long-term, because I think he's getting surgery on this high ankle sprain. Uh he did get surgery on it. Did, did get surgery. Thank you. Uh, if he's out month, that's a problem. Like yeah. you, now, now you you don't really have a choice but to like just piece it together. And then if they don't make the playoffs, it's like kind of on him, but not on him. It's just a really weird situation there. But their their next three games, Kale, they might. All be backup quarterbacks playing. I think it's no. confirmed they will be all backup quarterbacks playing, right? So they're, let's say Trubisky plays the next three games. They play the Patriots on Thursday. Zappy. Probably Zappy. No, actually, I think back? no. I think they promoted Malik Cunningham to not play him this week, so they could like because Belichick's were doing this surprise start quarterback thing. Hmm. I think they're just going to surprise start Malik. Because of, oh, it's a short week. They're going to catch us on it. And uh, if they brought up, if they brought him up in the middle of the week to do this whole thing, then it would give away the surprise. So they're going to ride with Zappy. Zappy's not worth starting. And then they're going to put Cunningham in as as the surprise starter because Palchuk loves announcing quarterbacks eighteen hours before the game. It's a new fun coaching wrinkle he likes to do when he has no quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that makes it even better. You're getting the Patriots' third-string quarterback on Thursday. Not for like, the Steelers. Highest ceiling. Narr- my narrative. Uh, highest ceiling. He can run the ball. <laughs> I agree. 
but you know it is the 2023 Patriots. Yeah. So theoretically, you should still win the game. And then you have the Colts, who Gardner Minshew's not playing like a backup, but he is still a backup in you know in title. And then you've got Jake Browning. Those are your next three games. So the excuse isn't really there with Trubisky to like lose from this point forward. Okay, you go at Seattle after that. If you're, you know, down and out by that point and Trubisky's still playing, then it's time to throw in the towel. But the next three weeks where you're playing, you know, I would say two games you still should win with Trubisky and one that you could theoretically win at Indy, like it's not time to just give up on the Steelers yet, which sucks because the Steelers have been a tough watch all year. You don't want to give up on them, especially when they break their whole 400-yard game streak Mm -hmm. the second Canada leaves. But – I don't know. Like Indy, uh, Indianapolis is putting together a lot of good games. Houston still looks good, and all like all of a sudden, Denver and Buffalo just right back in this conversation for playoff pictures. And it's going to be a slippery slope. I just think Cleveland's defense is good enough to elevate it. If you're just having Flacco play like the twentieth best quarterback, because you were getting like PJ Walker, I think was like thirty fourth. DTR was like thirty. Uh, by most metrics, if you're getting if you're getting Flacco in there, and he's like, you know, second quartile, you're cooking. <laughs> yeah, uh, man, Buffalo won the week. That's the one where I look at it and I'm like, they're really because not not a single team advanced to eight and four in this wild card picture. All of them are seven and five or worse. So now. You're Buffalo, and you're saying, okay, sure, we're in, what, 10th place? But all we've got to do is catch three of these teams, and none of them are more than a game ahead of us right now. And if we win this Chiefs game, you know, everyone's been talking about how tough our schedule is. Now it gets easier. So all we've got to do is win this Chiefs game, and we're coming off our bye. So, Nolan News, if you're listening, like, (laughs) draw yourself all the way back in after you were all the way out last week because the Bills are so alive thanks to, uh, you know, Chiefs and Steelers incompetence over the past couple weeks. But, you know, maybe Cool Joe is the reason they, they don't end up making it. We'll see. Uh, do, who – give me your three teams. Who do you think ends up – Yeah, that's what this boils down to. Just, like, take your shot. Uh, I think that Texans-Colts week 18 is going to be a play-in game, which I'm very – I agree. That, that rules. The AFC West one ruled, and I like it with – more fun teams than that. Yeah, I'm I'm in on that. Uh, and gosh, the the tank Dell thing. I have like seven. I have, like, I have like seven head scratchers this week, uh, and I didn't even list Tank Dell as lead blocker on a uh, you know grueling inside run play, but that deserves consideration. So that stinks. But I'll still I'll put the Texans in because you know I want to repay the the joy they've given me for a really. Fun NFL season where my team has been miserable to watch. They've been fun to watch. Uh, Texans will be in. I think the Bills are going to get in, which is crazy to say after last week, but I think they're going to be the Chiefs, and I think they're going to get in. Uh, So, you know, repaying, putting my faith back into a team that has only continued to, you know, put put their organizational goodwill – uh, in the blender the last couple seasons whenever they've had a chance to like really separate themselves but uh they're they're gonna make the playoffs still uh third one 
Steelers or Browns. Yikes. I'll go Browns. Joe's got the formula. It's gonna be it's gonna be so gross to have some combination of Houston, Indy, Cleveland, Denver, and Buffalo in this team, and then have like a Jaguars one seed. Like it's this is gonna be twenty twenty one Titans all over again. You're like, how'd they get the one seed? They no, just did. That, no, Jaguars are good. I'm just I'm saying from an optics thing, we're Those gonna just were good. They were. You're right. Are they a one seed. Well, no one's a one seed this year. It's this. I'm I'm sneaky. So excited for the for the Baltimore Jaguars game. Not this coming weekend, but next weekend. Baltimore's got a crazy end. Three of their last four games are at Jags, at Niners, host Dolphins. That Dolphins game is also going to be another big one. They don't have an easy game left, do they? Uh, if you count Rams or Steelers. I, I definitely don't count Rams as an easy game right now, the way that offense has been playing. And they lost to the Steelers. So they kind of don't have an easy game left. Yeah. yeah. Game balls. I like it. My game ball is going to be a man who openly mocked the city of Philadelphia. Not mocked, but just basically like painted red on his shirt and put himself right in the bull ring and said, uh, if if we had had a healthy quarterback, we would have smoked you in the NFC title game and we're going to smoke you this time. Then he wore all black Air Forces in the pregame and then he put up three touchdowns just in the eye of the field. Like they were all three of them were like insult to injury type of touchdowns where he just broke enormous plays. Uh, and that's Debo Samuel. So uh, this is a guy that was hurt for not a better portion of the year, but like the portion of the year where the Niners were losing and people were saying, maybe they're not who we think they are. They are. And it's because Debo Samuel at his peak is one of the 10, seven, most intriguing offensive weapons in the league. I mean, four, four for 116, two touchdowns through the air, three for 22 and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, a skill set that kind of nobody else has in terms of the you know, route running, physicality, running back ability. Like he's, he's one of one. So even if he's not like the most important offensive weapon in the league, he is one of. So that's all. Debo Samuel offensive game ball. He's earned it, man. He is you. You could kind of give it to anyone. In that I, I know that's. I listed in the doc. I was like, but also, you know, shout out Brandon Ayuk, shout out CMC, shout out George Kittle and Trent Williams because why not? And Brock Purdy because he's going to win MVP even though we don't like it. <laughs> Derek Glass put it best. It was like if you if you're saying Brock Purdy, if you're starting a Brock Purdy MVP conversation after this game specifically. You did not watch this game. <laughs> you just didn't but watch you didn't it. Get the box score, all right. <laughs> Even if you look at the box score, he threw twenty-seven times, <laughs> <laughs> and he averaged what twelve yards a pass. I mean, Shanahan is a wizard. This guy. I mean, God, he's so. What are the what are the, the team stats were the most interesting? The Niners averaged eight point zero yards per play yesterday. 
That's all plays, including like the ones where they, you know, got one yard from the goal line. That counts against them in that stat, and they still got eight yards per play. Jackson, do do me a favor and look up the uh, look up his throw chart because it's really mm. funny. <laughs> it's really funny. The he he had Brock Purdy in this game had three hundred and fourteen. Oh my goodness! Passing yards. Huh. The farthest Reference. one, farthest downfield he threw was sixteen yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Pro Football Reference lists Brock Purdy with three hundred and fourteen passing yards and two hundred and fifteen yards after the catch. That seems like right it, based on the chart. It's all it's all dudes. It's it's all the guys they have in the building. Yeah, he's got four completions beyond ten yards. Uh, he's yeah, he'll nineteen completions total, uh, and somehow this equates to three hundred and fourteen yards. And all the all the touchdowns are just like little beep boop up. You take it, you got it. Take it the rest of the way. Just <laughs> it's a real it's the real hamburger helper quarterback. Just. And I helped. <laughs> hey, he's – this is not like – this doesn't sound like a compliment at all, but we didn't think Brock Purdy was going to be better than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So that is at least like – No, he definitely is. He definitely is. But do I regret saying that Sam Darnold was going to start in the Super Bowl for the 49ers? A little. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. I think, I think that's fair at this point. But also like, you know – we hadn't, we hadn't seen it. It's it's one thing to come in mid year. It's another thing to like. Okay, they're planning on this guy being the starter. They're cutting Trey Lance loose after drafting him third one. overall three years ago. So it's it's seeming like there's a lot of pressure heaped on this guy's shoulders. All of a sudden, can he deliver? Well, he's not being asked to do all that much, but he's definitely delivering. My game ball, it's Jordan Love. Don't need to do a lot more explanation on it, but guys now cooked two top ten defenses in his last two games by DVOA. Uh, that's he's got to get some kind of recognition here. He's been really damn good. Yeah. What uh, what heiresses and uh, famous uh, young hot actresses is uh, Jordan Love going to be dating in the year 2046 after he's uh, quarterback the Packers for 15 straight winning seasons and lost a grand total of twice to the Chicago Bears. That's what we should really be focusing on because history is a flat circle. Uh, I <laughs> I don't want to engage on the, on this question because his girlfriend had a really funny post and I'll respect that relationship because of it. <laughs> It was just it was just the Dexter's Lab meme uh, pointing at a picture of Jordan Love saying, stunt on these hoes. <laughs> so they're going to be there forever, actually. There you go. He is from – is he from Utah or did he just go to college in Utah? Because nope. that, that inherently makes him not Aaron Rodgers if he's like a full-on Utah guy. He was uh, – oh, he was Utah State. I always, I always think FCS guys are just automatically coming from one of the Dakotas. <laughs> uh, I'm not oh, sure. Really, yeah, I'm not sure where he's from, honestly. And I'm, I'm not. Uh, the bio button's right here. We'll see. We'll see if that has it. Uh, no, oh uh, Bakersfield. No, he's from California. <laughs> Hell yeah! You know who else from California? Aaron Rodgers. All right. 
<laughs> rural, rural California. Not the same part of rural California, but it writes itself. History is a flat circle. The Venn, the Venn diagram is there. It's ridiculous. Uh, number two, defense. Uh, Derek Stingley is going to get mine, but it's another one. Maybe not the name brand of the San Francisco type of game ball where anyone could get it, but there were a lot of Texans who could have gotten it yesterday. That was one of the more intriguing games of the day because you had the Tank Dell injury. You had the Texans running away with it in the first half, but they could never put Denver away. And in the second half, Denver started to cook a little bit. Uh, Russ hits Cortland Sutton for a 45-yard touchdown. Russ has a rushing touchdown. He's making more plays with his legs. He's scrambling. But the Texans are able to force three key turnovers in the second half. If no, if all three of those don't happen, the Broncos probably complete their comeback. So Stingley's getting the game ball because he had two of those interceptions. And one of them was just a one-hand mossing of Cortland Sutton. Just like came over the top of him, picked it off with one hand, said, yep, that's mine. Uh, but also shout out Will Anderson, who had a pair of sacks and tipped one of the Stingley interceptions. And then Jimmy Ward. He had the last interception. That was also a really impressive catch. It was in front of instead of behind Sutton. But that's one where, you know, if that ball just falls to the turf, there's every chance the Broncos could still win that game. So it's not full-on Malcolm Butler, but it's in the same neighborhood of you catch the ball, your team wins. You don't catch the ball, there's every chance you could lose. So all the Texans shout out, but uh, I guess we'll give Stingley the official TMB game ball. Man, that Texans defense is going to be awesome. I, I'm so pumped. D'Amico Ryans is another guy that just is kind of quietly in the head coach of the year conversation. Uh, they're cooking. Like, Stingley, Anderson, Petre is such a fun trio. And the second you start getting, like, because the linebackers are all right right now. Second, so get, like, a little bit more linebacker playing there. You get, like, one DT in the mix. You're, you're cooking so hard. I'm so excited. Wish they had a first-round pick, but was it worth it? No, it's worth it. It's worth it. Well, worth it for Will Anderson because that's the guy they're getting. And, yes, I agree because you weren't getting a pick. That Their bet was the guy we get next year will not be as good as Will Anderson is this year because we will be better this coming year. And they absolutely were better this coming year. So they weren't getting the top three pick. They were right to trade up and take Anderson. Well, it's also like, one, they've got Cleveland tanking for him. Like, not tanking, but like they've got Cleveland's pick, so they're fine there. And two, the process that they did it where it's – if we're now just rehashing eight-month-old conversations at this point, but – uh, but that's the whole point of our entire industry. No, of course, yeah. <laughs> the the Stroud, the Stroud trade up, like the Stroud pick trade up for Anderson deal was, if you do that in reverse where you draft Will Anderson, then you come back and trade up for CJ Stroud because it's you only ever trade up for quarterbacks because that's the only guy who can uh, replace multiple players worth of positional value because uh, like a quarterback's got to be as good as all the guys whose picks you're using to trade up to replace him or a player that you trade up for. Uh, that price, when you know you're picking a quarterback, is going to be different. Uh, so, if anything, doing that in the way they did it and then trading up to get Anderson, they actually spent fewer picks. So, they actually have more draft capital now, which is – I like that. I like that. It's good. 
it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I have no real negative things to say about the Houston Texans right now. I just wish they wouldn't put a 5'10", 165 pound receiver on the inside of the blocking formation in the goal line situation. But whatever, I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's move to your defensive game ball, if you please. Yeah, there's not really like anyone I super care about because so many of these were offensive game balls or, or like offensive days and in the games where it was defensively centric it, it was either one-sided or it didn't really matter so i'm throwing a bone to one john johnson on the los angeles rams just not a not a uh, you know it's not a volume game here but johnson picked off flacco like midway through that fourth quarter, this was very much still a ball game. Picked him off on an Elijah Moore target and completely flipped the field. Got it down to inside the 20, 42-yard return. Rams punch it in. Game's pretty much over for there. from there. The Browns don't score a single point the rest of the game. And it's just like in games where the margins are so thin and there's not major standout performances. Singular singular players are going to swing those games. So, John Johnson, this one's for you. Just had a very, very funny realization about John Johnson. John Johnson's name is John Johnson the third, which means his name is effectively John Johnson's son's son. I'll leave this call right now, Jackson. <laughs> that's that's all true. Uh, special teams game ball. Uh, mine is going to be maybe a little bit out of left field, but it's Jack Fox, the punter for the Detroit Lions. Now, you may be asking yourself, like, was there a memorable down punt yesterday? Not particularly. Jack, uh, Jack Fox, that's his name, correct. Okay, Jack Fox. Had five punts. All five of them worked like really pinned them deep territory. There was one that could have been, and there was a little bit of a return. So that kind of hurts his net for the day. But his five punts went for nets of 57, 56, 51, 48, and 32 yards. So the 32-yard net with 16-yard run back, that one was, you know, Maybe you can blame the rest of the special teams for that one. Not your fault, Jack. But otherwise, all of them were in situations where they needed to flip the field because if you remember, the Lions were up 21-0 in this game. They were blitzing them. And all of a sudden, it was like, Derek Carr stinks. Maybe Derek Carr is hurt. Jameis is in the game. They're running some Taysom packages. Who knows what's going on? But the Saints are coming back. And it was like, we had written off this game two hours ago. Is it really about to be like completely flipped? Is the Dan Campbell coach of the year narrative going to crumble before our very eyes? And right when it seemed like it was going to be the end, they had a three and out, didn't even gain a single yard, and were about to punt it away with five and a half minutes left. And John Johnson booms a 60-yarder, and there's a holding penalty that brings it back. Uh, so rather than an 18-yard run back, it is a 57-yard net. And the Saints, who thought they were going to get pretty good field position, have to start this, you know, game-winning touchdown drive where they need a touchdown from their own 18. 
instead of somewhere near midfield. And the drive doesn't end up working out, and the Lions win the game. So sometimes it's not about the sexy special teams plays. It's about flipping fields. Jack Fox was flipping fields yesterday. No, field position is a difference maker. It definitely is, which is why I am giving my game ball to another punter. Jackson, I think you can go back and check the the records, the annals of time. I think this is the first double punter special teams game ball. I'm going J.K. Scott. I looked at him. Yeah, you did. I bet you liked what you saw. <laughs> I didn't like what I saw in the game. Eight punters. Seven of them inside the 20. Let me break it down for you. First punt. Give a little extra credit to his special team, the rest of the punt unit, because they this one's at the 18. But they get Miles Bryant back an extra five yards to a 13. Then the New England six, the New England nine, the New England nine, the New England 13. Brian actually gets that one five yards to the 18. The New England two, touchback, and the New England 13, fair catch. That's a day. That's the difference in a rainy, gross, bad New England game. One touchdown is going to make that difference, and you're saying, Cooper, Cooper, I want you, Butterfield. I want you to get him as to J.K. Scott, did. half the half the game ball also goes to Cameron Dicker for just doing his damn job, man. Just two for two, longer thirty-eight, just day in the office, nothing, nothing, no pressure. But also Cameron Dicker for being the only person that scored points in an entire NFL. I'm going to say how often? How often can you say you com- you outscored a team on your own and you barely had to try? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like that happens a fair amount where you you outscore the other team because your team puts up, you know, a shutout or six points or whatever, but your team is also scoring points. You know, the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing earlier this year. Of course, their kicker outscored the Giants. But the fact that the Chargers didn't score a single other point and Cameron Dicker is out here holding it down for the entire offensive output of a three-hour Game that people paid and went to watch. People paid to watch Cameron Dicker be the only guy that scored yesterday. So he's also he is definitely in, in this award in spirit. Dicker also did the unthinkable, where he got he got both the backbreaking flip of a punt fourth and ten from the LA twenty five and get it inside New England's twenty to punting in New England's territory and coffin cornering them. Like, that's – you get the best of both worlds, Jackson. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. This is – We said we weren't talking about it. Shout out Pat McAfee. This is a great week for punters. Yeah. Well, also, we said we weren't talking about this game. Not only did we just talk about it in special teams game ball, but now we're going to talk about it in the only place it was good – the uniform department, because uh, Pat the Patriot always wins, and the Chargers might have the league's best uniform set top to bottom. So 
I don't really have to say anything else. That was the only thing that anybody should have watched that game for yesterday was Pat the Patriot get-ups. And, you know, you didn't watch fun, but they looked good doing it. Love that for them. Uh, but I will say, in terms of a uh, uniform, I sorry, I like kind of dialed back in there. Uh, Chargers honestly left something on the table. You go blue pants. You go blue pants there, and I'm all in. They don't have blue pants. You go go yellow pants. Don't go all white. Okay, you yellow. Go all white. That's fair. I do like when they go yellow with the white jerseys. Yeah, but I'm just like, I I think you needed something there. I don't. I don't like double white if one of the teams is all white. Like, I can't do double white pants if one of the teams is all white. Usually, I'm that's, not a fan that's, of That's a white. good general rule. I will make an exception for these two teams and these two uniforms, but in general, I think you're right about that. I'm, I'm just saying, this is, this is objectively probably top. No, let's call it the best uniform game of the weekend. Um, top two top three but you'd like the fact that there was something leaving like there was something left on the table that's what's making me like actively put it down my rankings it's like it's like the uh topical it's like doing the college football playoffs like yeah like you know this is if you got uh if you got a real quarterback in the mix maybe you're making the playoffs i don't know that not even to rehash it, but I mean, <laughs> college football, head scratcher, anarchy, right anarchy. Just like we, I love that we didn't have a situation where a team got so wholeheartedly jobbed in the four team playoff system until the last year of the four team playoffs. I love that it's on the way out. It's on so purpose, almost, it right? <laughs> it's 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 perfect. It's almost upselling the future 12 man where yeah. it's just like, Hey, listen, this is about to be well, fixed. Sorry. We could have gotten this right. You'll just have to wait till next year. Oh man. Florida state. That stinks, but we're, we're, we're fixing it. Just not yet. Oh, don't you worry guys. Uh, they had a tough task, Kale. They had, there's, there's four <laughs> playoff spots and there were only three undefeated power five champs. What were they I, supposed to do? Dude. Oh, it's not up there. Oh, it still is. Uh, the college football uh, ESPN's lead story when I was looking up uh, game stats before, they've changed it now, but it's still up. Uh, the quote is, holy shit, this is really going to suck to do this inside the CFP committee's most controversial decision. If it's going to suck, don't do it. If it's going to suck, do the, do the right thing. I love that it boils down to like, you know, one team was going to have their hearts broken and the committee had to tell them a reason why they weren't making it. And they had the choice between telling Texas shouldn't have lost to Oklahoma, telling Bama shouldn't have lost to Texas, telling Florida State the quarterback shouldn't have broken his leg. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Dude, I, the, the Texas thing is really funny because, like, Texas was going to get in no matter what because, like, now Alabama – like, the – Winning against Alabama is now the single best win of any college team in the country because they beat Georgia. And, like, by Alabama elevating themselves, they have to push Texas up there too. And I would have just dropped Alabama. I would have just dropped Alabama and, and like, 
left Texas in. I don't know. It's really yeah. frustrating. And it's also the last thing I'll say about it is it's the same argument. If you if you wanted to drop Texas, I would have understood it still because you can make the same argument about Florida State's not the same team anymore without Travis. That Alabama team, Texas beat, is not the same Alabama team as the one we saw beat Georgia. They're just two completely different teams. It was three months ago. And also, there's a month between now and the college football playoffs. Yeah, no, Florida State was going to get healthier. Yeah. Like, not, not get their quarterback back, but, like, they not have to play their third string. That's always been the most befuddling part of the playoff to me is the fact there's a freaking month between now and then. We all get a chance no, to get mad about it, and then we're going to forget that it's happening. No, I would play the Super Bowl like this. Like, like I, wish the, day. I wish the tournament wasn't in. I was literally going to say Patty's Day, but I don't want to play <laughs> it on like a Thursday. Uh, but I, I guess, no, that's not a Thanksgiving holiday. That's always on a day. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd literally play it like right before the March Madness tournament starts. Like just really roll in hot to March. Uh, my game ball is Niners, Eagles, uh, duh. Uh, like pretty, pretty easy. I can see it being easy. Um, Cowboys Seahawks was beautiful. Seahawks will never get a uniform game ball from me. The throwbacks, but, though. That's oh, the they were throwbacks. Point. No, I, I'm sorry, they were throwbacks. That game was so far away that I kind of forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that's the only way they could good. do it, and that's why I would have considered giving it to them. So, uh, I will say, um, uh, Mahomes' first game in Lambo, that that was nice. Lambo lights always hit a little different. That was the game where I wished a team wasn't wearing white pants. I would have liked to see red pants for the Chiefs, but still a very good uniform game. I agree. Uh, and then my other one was uh, you know, the team that you ragged on me for including in the uniform games last week, the Steelers. Uh, I thought their matchup with the Cardinals in their new whites was nice. That was one where I thought the all-whites did work, and that was a fun one. Dude, we – we might have to redo our uniform tier list at some point because I how many times have we combined at least mentioned the Cardinals as an option after making them like wholly unusable? Yeah. I mean they're, they're just kind of a blank canvas. I get it. Like it's it's really like whatever like red is one of the most common colors in the NFL, so it's gonna go with most teams. It's a primary color, so it's pretty complementary to everything. And uh, the fact that it's just white and silver the rest of the way, it's, yeah. it's got to be easy. The silver was the genius part. For Silver's one. nice. Silver's a great touch. That was like, didn't see that coming, and that really works. And I do not like the all reds at home. And I'm, the all blacks are better than their old all blacks, but they're still not good. Uh, but the ho- the road uniforms are a ten out of ten for me. I really like the Cardinals roads with like the silver accents. I just think the font is too big on all of them. It's kind of a trend nowadays. Like Arizona, yeah, we know, dude. We know where you're from. Uh, but the rest of the uniform is very good. And yes, they would not be thirtieth or thirty first anymore like they were last time. So we will at some point need to redo those tiers. Uh, what we also need to do now is talk about head scratchers. This is a doozy this week, Gal. Uh, cause not only is my head scratcher a doozy, but I have the most honorable mentions I've ever listed for head scratchers. So I'm going to go, then I'm going to let you go. And then I'm just going to like rapid fire all my head scratchers before we do cheap seats. It's going to be great. So without further ado, my head scratcher, now you might've been listening to special teams game balls and thinking, 
Was there a notable omission here? Did a team block two punts yesterday? And I'm not hearing about it in special teams game balls. Well, I was saving it for this very special moment. Uh, The Titans getting back-to-back punts blocked is egregious, Kale. It's it's fun for the Colts. It's fun for, like, the highlight tapes. But it completely flipped the game. It allows the Colts to still be, like, coasting high on this, hey, we're a playoff team momentum, when in reality the Titans should have won that game. It got their punter hurt, and their punter is excellent. Brian Stonehouse, I'm sorry. You deserve better. They got hit with the Patriots run in from the side, block the punt on the second time around, and they just didn't see it coming after they had already gotten their last punt blocked. And then to top it off, they still would have won the game if Stonehouse hadn't gotten hurt and they didn't have to have Tannehill holding on field goals. He was the holder on the extra point that Nick Folk missed in order to send the game to overtime. Uh, And none of this is to mention, Kale, that they got a pick two, a two-point conversion return for a touchdown. Yes, the rare. In the game. And it didn't because they missed the extra point at the end. God damn. Uh, You want (laughs) to – I want to be able to enjoy the rare – Defensive two-point conversion. I want to. But when it's that dumb. <laughs> and when and when it's also sandwiched between back-to-back blocked punts. Yes. To. Uh, and the defense held him to a field goal after the second block punt. So literally, have a, what else were they supposed to do? You return one for a touchdown, and then you get the other one in the red zone, you hold him to a field goal. This is purely on the special teams for losing this game. All yeah. special teams. Tennessee had – Aaron, Aaron Schatz talking about it today, uh, who I'm about to bring up again, but was breaking down like biggest letdowns by post game win expectancy, where it's like, oh, this team should should have absolutely won this game uh, and just didn't. Uh, and the Titans led the week, exclu- like with like a post game win ex- expectancy in like I think it was like 68, 70 percent, like very high. Should have won this game. And it just comes down to those boneheaded plays. That's just tough. You wanted to shout out the pick, too. I want to shout out Will Levis for recovering his own fumble 15 yards downfield, and neither of us can do it because they lost. So, sorry. My game ball is more like – game ball. I always do this. Uh, like head, scratch, head scratcher is is not really like – like, what were they thinking? But more just a a real a real like more chin scratcher, more like how are we going to operate with this going forward? Because it's 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 a legitimate observable problem. Yes, you're doing a little little chin stroke. That's exactly what we got to think about. We're getting into the situation where we can't really have refereeing go either way. The Chiefs game, obviously the biggest example of that but if you go into other games down the stretch one like you're never gonna like let's start with the chiefs game the bad processing when you walk backwards what is it when you walk backwards out of bounds the clock has to stay running and they mismanage that uh there's been there was multiple mismanaged pass interferences uh one you're just never going to get a pass interference on a hail mary in the end zone uh that's a free play. I think they've got to just kind of codify that in the rules uh, at this point. Uh, just 
they're never going to call it because it's an automatic first and goal at the one, usually an untimed down. And I don't think anyone ever wants to see a game come down to that. Uh, and they'll never, like, they never called it anyway. So why start now? But Chiefs game is obviously going to be the big conversation. But if you look beyond the Chiefs game, like, the last two drives of Jets Falcons, where Trevor Simeon's just heaving it down, trying to find pass interference just to get the ball moving. That last drive was was disgusting. He eventually, they eventually gave him one defensive holding, and then he tried two more times to do it. Uh, it was it was borderline offensive. Meanwhile, Cowboys Seahawks on Thursday night was the exact opposite equation, where. The two team, the two teams combined for. I'm pulling it up now. Two teams ended up combining for 19 penalties, for close to 260 yards, and that's just an example of like this is what a game looks like when we call literally everything, and like we get as ticky tack as we can. Now, Shai- Michael dropped the most brutal line you could ever have in that one. He said, uh, maybe Cleve Blakeman – we'll just let Cleve Blakeman announce the rest of this game for us because he's doing most of the talking. That was like – That's a good boy, Al. Still got some fire left in your belly. Oh, God, he's, he's going to cook on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Shots and Tanier had a really interesting conversation about how to look at refereeing analytically uh, where – Vegas obviously knows how certain referee crews work and how frequently they call certain penalties. And if you really want to get into the certain delineation of it, like how aggressive they are on like what constitutes pass interference versus what doesn't constitute pass interference, how much they're willing to let guys play certain ref crews call certain more, uh, more penalties than others. But the real conversation they were addressing was, as you process the game of football in like how you process refereeing as a real actionable data point, you almost have to put it down to luck at this point because there is truly zero consistency with how refereeing is game or with how refereeing is, is, is done game to game. Uh, Aaron referred to it as, uh, like or equated it to fumble luck, like it's that random because fumbles happen and they're a part of the game, but the big difference maker is just how the ball bounces and how many you end up getting versus the opponent. That is such a luck based part of football that it's not really you can't act on it week to week. It, it's there's no stick to it, and the the thing that makes it head scratching for me is that this is so fixable. Just make them full time, like just like just. The NFL is is a multi billion dollar industry, and we make this like we make this argument and have this conversation all the time that the NFL makes so much goddamn money, and they just can't put together a, a legitimate crew of referees to be employed year round at like I don't know. I don't know what refs make. You give them like 400k. You give you put to, you put together a 40 million dollar fund and you get 100 referees. 
at a $400,000 annual base salary and you just set aside, you're never going to have this problem again. And it's becoming a worse issue now that gambling is becoming such a part of football. Like, God forbid the NFL has like a Tim Donaghy scandal. God forbid, like, it, it's it's way less actionable and like you, you have way less of a sway than an NBA ref does in an NBA game. But you still, you still have a say on the biggest tipping points and you can still kind of make it close but i don't know like there just needs to be more regulation there just needs to be some some consistency here there's nothing there's really nothing and it's 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 a shame for everyone involved offense and defense especially defensive players honestly there are handsy guys coming out of college and they get a little bit more leeway on DPI, especially because it's a 15-yard penalty, so they have the freedom to play with more hands. But they then go from college to pros and are still pretty handsy, and in some games that's fine, and some games they'll get called. And there just, there just needs to be like uniform framework. There needs to be some level of consistency. This is probably... The way I'm envisioning this is like it's a multi-year project because you got to train people, you got to create like a system of ranks, you got to create some sort of standard of what constitutes each penalty. Or damn, just get a system in New York, man. Like just do it the way the NBA does it, where like they just call a booth and you take it out of your hands, and it you know it adds thirty seconds of runtime on. We yeah. got people watching. Just, just put one time. put one guy up in the booth who like has access to every TV angle. At once. Well, the the NBA has an office in Secaucus where guys just, yeah, have that. They do the replay. Yeah. It takes 15 seconds, and it's like, nope, reverse this. That's how it'll it's be. That long. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't take that long. The, the NFL is the biggest American sport on the planet, and the fact that it doesn't – American sport on the planet, good one. Uh, and the fact it doesn't have this kind of infrastructure – when straight up, like, I think 80 of the top 100 events ever broadcasted on television or football games, at least in American audiences by Nielsen, uh, it's you got to have something going on. You got to you got to fix this. Pretty much. Yeah. And I love that you're like bringing analytics into it. But at the same time, we how many times have we had the, you know, referee needs to change conversation it's crazy like it just won't too many times it won't (laughs) i don't know what it's gonna take um we're just saying and there will be like you know standout egregious one-time incidents like that one nfc championship game that was decided by the worst no call uh dpi ever and they'll like try to enact rules to try and fix that one specific play where they you know try to make dpi reviewable and it was a total disaster They'll outlaw the tush push because they're really good at like fixing one play, but they will never like take a good hard look in the mirror and like let's let's come to agreements on how we can actually improve officiating. Because as long as the bottom line's not getting messed with, nobody really cares about uh, one team getting jobbed here and there over at the old league office. I I almost wish that it was something that got like brought up in the CBA. Like there were too many other things to worry about in the CBA. 
but I, it was something I wish that got raised just because there's no, it's such a crucial part of this whole process going like it's such a big part of the game and it's so obvious. And if you wanted refs calling every, every play, if we honestly, if every one of those chiefs penalties got called, I know they obviously like couldn't all get called because the permutation would be different. And like, if you called any of those PIs, you wouldn't have really needed the hail Mary in theory, but I think it's even more egregious. If you, if that little back push on Kelsey gets called a PI or if all of those plays get called PIs. Remember how pissed people got when the hand on the back happened in the Super Bowl and it gave yeah. the Chiefs the win? Like, when you're calling the plays, it's like when you're calling the penalties, like everyone wants you to, it's bad. Like, there's no winning there. So at least just create a uniform structure where people can't get mad at it. That's, that's logic. And I agree with it. And yet... I know. <laughs> I know that logic, the only logic that applies to the NFL league office is dollar signs. So we'll, uh, we'll keep banging the drum. That's, that's my pledge. That's all you. we can do. <laughs> we'll, we'll stay on their case. Hold the league accountable. We'll stay on their case for decades if we need to. Um, and with that, I'll get into my three honorable mention head scratchers this week because there was just too much to, uh, to talk about. So, Honorable mention number one, Kale, uh, and it is a miracle that we've gotten to an hour and 41 minutes without talking about this man. Big Dom, the security man. That's, that's the whole head scratcher. Only in Philly does, does this exist. Big Dom, the security man, getting thrown out of a game, probably going to get disciplined more, like in the face of Dre Greenlaw, just not afraid at all. If the Arizona Cardinals security man was in the face of Drake Greenlaw, we call him this man a lunatic. In Philly, he's a hero. He's got $60 hoodies that are benefiting the Autism Foundation that are going to sell out like hotcakes. This man is is Philly to, to a T. In fairness, he's basically like a college – have you looked up this guy? He's apparently been oh, with yeah. the Eagles for like 20-plus years. And he's only uh, 44. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was a teenager. He's the head of security and also the special assistant to Howie Roseman. Senior advisor to Howie Roseman. He's the twofer. Uh, Andy Reid says of him, he's my Italian son. I love that. Uh, I think I, I don't love him chirping Greenlaw in general. Like, I, I get it. But like he can't put his hands on a player. That's no, not stay out of this, dude. Yeah, he, that's not his job. I, I'm glad about all the lore that's come out after. But like the inciting event, I was like, that's, that's not fun. That's it's bad. But yeah. but it makes sense for a guy named Big Dom. It's it tracks. That sense for a guy named Big Dom. <laughs> okay, head scratcher number two. Uh, it's fourth and two. You're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Who do you want to make sure you block? Because the Seattle Seahawks took a look at Micah Parsons and said, we are going to run a play where the objective is to not block Micah Parsons. It is to act like DJ Dallas, who, by the way, is our third string running back, is only in the game because Zach Charbonnet got hurt and Kenneth Walker is already out for this game. He's a career special teamer. He is going to have to race across this formation 
And before Micah Parsons get into the backfield, he's going to have to slip Parsons and run out into the flat and catch a wide open screen pass. Here's the problem. DJ Dallas, not that fast. Doesn't always practice with the offense. He's getting the third reps, third team reps. He hasn't practiced this play much. On the other side is Micah freaking Parsons, who runs a 4-3-40. So he is just in Geno Smith's face before DJ Dallas has done much more than blink and the game's over. That's not the play I'm calling in that situation with that personnel against that team. It's bad, really bad. It feels like feels like one guy you'd want. Just one. Block Micah, worry about the rest later. That is like that. He's he's foaming at the mouth on the line of scrimmage trying to get to the quarterback there. Block him. Like put somebody on <laughs> rather than run a play that's designed around the premise that we're gonna not block him and somehow turn that into a net positive for us. That's all I'm asking from the Seahawks, who played an otherwise excellent game for the most part. That was an extremely sour way to end it to go with the 260 penalty yards. Lastly, honorable mention number three, my cause, my cleats is back, Kale, which is totally, you know, the NFL being loosey-goosey with the strings for once on the uh, the uniform policy, which is usually just how can we, the NFL, make the most money off of merchandising our causes? So at least they're allowing the players to do their causes and raise some money for causes that they deem to be, you know, worthy causes. Commander's defensive back Kendall Fuller decided that his worthy cause was the fellowship of Christian athletes, which, if you are unfamiliar, is uh, does not allow LGBTQ plus people to be in leadership roles. So it is essentially a Christian anti-gay organization. Let's just call it what it is. You know, people have their beliefs. I'm not going to adjudicate that on this show, but that's what the FCA is. He wore his cleats for that on Pride Day for the Washington Commanders. And nobody said anything about it beforehand. And now everybody's just fighting about it afterwards. That's... Do they have to get... Do you know... I don't know how much you've looked into my cause, my cleats. Do you get uh, clearance beforehand? I think it's like the team has to clear it. Or like, you know, the... I, I don't believe the league is adjudicating that. I believe the league is entrusting the teams to make sure that it's approved beforehand. And in this case, I'm guessing the team just didn't pay enough attention. Drop the ball. Yeah. That's what that sounds like. And that's definitely a ball drop. <laughs> that's not good. God. Optics. F minus head scratcher. Honestly, like, not the official head scratcher for this show, but probably will be a nominee for a year-end award of some kind. So stay tuned. We've we've got Bozo the year locked up, but we can at least throw him on the board. Well, what is that Bozo? Bozo the the commanders, my cause, my cleats. I guess yeah. There's not even like a real. It's just like you just want to make an award. Like man, this is shitty. <laughs> man this sucks yeah worst optics of the year will be a new award this year we'll we'll find four other nominees for sure but put it is... up with, put it up with the ambulance yes i forgot about the ambulance oh no uh yeah that i don't have much else to say about kendall fuller and the cleats that was uh really dumb Monday what football. football? It's going on. Monday football starts in eight minutes, Kale. Uh, <laughs> so 
Uh, by the time this airs, Monday Night Football will probably be in about the third or fourth quarter. Uh, time it takes to get this thing turned around and up on the interwebs. So I'm going to say this one, in comparison to other weeks, is not easier. Like I, ha- I gave a little bit of a thought to like maybe the Bengals can pull this one out. But I am still going to say, you know, in Duval, 10-point home favorites, I think the Jags at least find a way to get this win. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's at least a one-score game. Oh, I would be. I think Doug Peterson, there was a – there was a. I want to find this because I, I wrote up the Jags last week for FTN, and I, in the piece, said uh, – I, I brought up an anecdote – a couple weeks ago, at a certain point in the season, I forget when, uh, and it's tough because I'm doing it anecdotally off the stat too because it wasn't listed anywhere. The Jaguars were dead last in the league in in receiving yards per uh, or just receiving yards run per route, not yards per route run, uh, but like they were just running the fewest yards of any any receiver. They were just not dialing up downfield plays. And someone asked Doug Peterson about the stat, and apparently he just went like, "Wow!" No, he's like, "Yeah, like we gotta gotta do better yeah. than that. We gotta fix that." Yeah, it was. was yeah, I, no, he, I I didn't know that's what you were referencing when you first brought it up, but I remember that. I was like, "Yeah, I, that's what I want my coach to do." Yeah, you're not, you're, you got a tough job. You're not going to know every stat, everything about your offense. Brandon Staley would have been like, "You suck. Get out of the room right now." Peterson literally, was like, "Oh, thanks for pointing that out. We'll do better." Literally, first words out of his mouth were, "Honestly, we probably should be more conscious of taking more shots." Quite frankly, and fair. Uh, and since then, uh, Lawrence has posted average depth of targets of nine point five and eight point five, his two highest of the season. Uh, and Jacksonville posted single-week offensive passing DVOAs of 60.9% and 39%, their best and fourth-best marks of the season. So it's not completely fixed, but I'd like to just continue to see momentum on that front, especially when this is a little bit more of a challenge of a defense in uh, Cincinnati, at least in the secondary, uh, when healthy. But – I just want to see more progress on that, and I think they do get more progress on that, and I think Jacksonville kind of rolls. Where were, where were you when the Jacksonville area, Big Jay Journo saved the offense and the season? Uh, that's the question. Uh, the only reason I think the Bengals keep it close in this case is because I think the infrastructure – I know Burrow's gone, but like the infrastructure of the team that's been in the two AFC championships is still there. And they don't have the personnel to make a playoff run this year, and they probably will fall out of the conversation even after this loss. Uh, but I think they just like they got one last good try left in them. And Browning will make a couple mistakes that end up losing them the game, but like a couple ridiculous chase plays, mix and breaks one. Like I think they'll keep it interesting. But I do agree that the Jags are eventually gonna outlast them in this one. But we'll see. That's the beauty of this game beginning now four minutes from now is we will see very, very soon. We will. And that's the beauty of it. But we got one thing to do before we go. Cheap seats. Cheap, cheap, cheap. Cheap seats. Kale, I'm giving you cheap seats this week. Goddamn right you are. 
And I have some real cheap ones for you this time around. This is not. Get, it's getting to be that time of year. It is getting to be that time of year. We have bangers in the cheap seats category. So without further ado, uh, here's how here's how cheap they are. $39 for Patriots Steelers on Thursday night. That's too expensive. That's it not is. making the cut this week. You are getting – I'm going to give you four to choose from. I think that's fair because one is a little more expensive, but I think you'll appreciate it. The cheapest of the week somehow is $17 Jags at Browns. Now, you got to go to Cleveland and it's supposed to rain, but you do get to see Irie Harris and you do get to see two teams who could be in the playoffs. So that is an option. Option two, Texans at Jets. Now, this is this is fun. <laughs> you want to talk about anarchy. Well, you want to talk about well, watching absolute chaos unfold in front of your very eyes. You want to come to my apartment afterwards and rehash the whole thing after you spent your 18 bucks. I'd welcome it. Come see me. $19. Panthers at Saints. That's we could just go. You're right. We could just go. We could just go. Yeah. <laughs> That's an option. That's on the table here. Uh and, and we don't have to be that committed because it's 20 bucks. Yeah. Uh Panther Saints is 19 bucks, so only one dollar more. We would have to get ourselves to the Caesars Superdome and watch a 111 Panthers team. But Panthers almost beat the Saints this first time around, and the Saints might make the playoffs. So that is an option on the table as well. And finally, I told you about MetLife Stadium. I'm gonna tell you about it again. <laughs> the next day. 8.15 p.m., Packers at Giants, Monday Night Football, 30 bucks. Those are your four choices for cheap seats, week 14. Why are we back to doing simulcast primetimes or simulcast Monday Night Footballs? I have absolutely no idea, Kale. And why that matchup? Why Miami-Tennessee? <laughs> no clue. Why are there two Monday Night Football games in Week 14? You'll never tell me. Why are there two bye week teams in Week 14? Just two of them. No idea. <laughs> Poor Cardinals and Commanders. <laughs> the Cardinals and Commanders. <laughs> they do. What did they do to deserve 13 straight weeks of games while everyone else has gotten their bye by now? No idea. But I they, think they, they are tired and they deserve they are, to have the week off. They are dead first and dead last in the acronyms. For the sorting of teams. Ah, yes. Airy Was. Yes, yes. Yeah. It will just also just the regular like team name uh, or, or when you organize them alphabetically by city also. So I think they might have just forgotten them. Like, ah, God. yeah, it's 14. <laughs> ah. uh, we got 32 teams. MLB's got 30. We don't have 30. Oh, man. Shoot. Uh, Cardinals week 14 by screw them. I think uh, I want to watch. I want to watch love tear it up. I want to watch Stroud face a good defense and then watch nothing happen on the other side of the ball. Uh, dude, that's why Jets games suck because it's, they get these really good quarterback matchups and they play pretty well. Uh, and they're really low scoring on that regard, and it's very entertaining. And then it's just a shit show. Mm -hmm. And then it's just awful. It's just really bad, gross. An offense can't move. They can't block. 
You're giving it to Brees Hall for 20 touches a game so he can go three and a half yards a touch. Like, and it's not Brees Hall's fault. There's no one in front sure of him. Sure isn't. <laughs> Watching Garrett Wilson waste away. Uh, I guess you I know got how it. I really know it's not Brees Hall's fault because <laughs> Michael Carter got in the game for the Cardinals and ripped off like a 22 yard carry as soon as he did. <laughs> 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 yeah, and it Cleveland Jacksonville is the more tolerable version of Jets Texans. It's the more adult version. It's like adult. Like no, it's 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 when you f- like it's when you go from drinking like Evan Williams to being like, yeah, I'm going to start buying Jim Beam now and like this is going to be a real like adult move by me. And now I'm drinking like a f- sophisticated whiskey, Jim Beam. Jim I'm Beam's not bad. Flacco. Jim Beam's tolerable, but like you're not drinking like Evan Williams out of a plastic flask anymore. It's like a little bit better. I like it. And that that Jim Beam is Joe Flacco. That's the perfect description to describe 39-year-old Joe Flacco. I'm with that, but you did just turn down two opportunities to really enjoy a classic MetLife experience with me. And to be I, fair, I don't plan on ever going to MetLife. So I'm you got to go once. You got to watch CJ Stroud tear his Achilles this weekend. No, don't say that. Just Sorry. It. Oh. Sorry. It's just like, it's it like some, someone's going to happen. One of, Something one of our favorite, one of our favorite players is going to suffer a debilitating injury this weekend at that stadium. And the class action lawsuit levied against the Mara family is going to be, uh, earth shattering. Yeah, I'm I, so I agree. I hope it's not a Packer or a Texan. As much as that sucks to say, I let's not pick. Let's not pick favorites. Let's just let's just understand what the outcome is going to be and let the dice fall as they may. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, Green Bay coming to town. That means our our classmate Lauren Helmbrecht is coming to town. She had a viral Taylor Swift tweet last night, so. Lots to look forward to this weekend in New Jersey football, but uh, us going to the game in person, it does not sound like it's going to be part of the equation. And that is how we end an episode. For Jackson, I'm Kale. We'll see you next week. See ya.